Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching. <laughs> That's gonna sound terrible. No, I promise it won't be that terrible. We'll have a great time. I'm Garrett, and I'm your show host for today. With me, I have pre-service teacher Deborah, veteran teacher Kathleen, and student James. To protect the identities of the participants, all names have been changed, even mine. Let's give a round of applause to the people making today's podcast possible. We're glad to have you here with us as we explore topics incorporated in methods for teaching adolescent and young adult English language arts. First, let's talk with our pre-service teacher, Deborah. Deborah, could you introduce yourself for us, please? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name's Deborah, and I'm currently a pre-service teacher at the University of Toledo. I'm studying adolescent and young adult education with a concentration in English literature. My first pre-service placement was at a private Catholic school that's considered urban. I work with 103 seniors in an English seminar class, and now I'm currently finishing up my junior year and I'm heading into student teaching for next year. Very nice, Deborah. Now, as you finish your junior year, what is something that you learned or found interesting while completing your first year of pre-service teaching? Well, I learned a lot this past year, but one of the most interesting aspects of teaching that I studied and observed in the field was kinesthetic learning in the English language arts classroom. A lot of my students were ADHD and wanted to be up and moving, but because of the classroom size, it was really hard to incorporate a lot of movement. Do you think you could describe the classroom setting for me in the audience so we can picture it? Of course. The actual structure of the classroom could honestly play a large role in the learning for my students. The classroom is incredibly small with little room to move around. There is enough room for 32 students to have a desk in the class, and the four class periods that I teach all range from 23 to 30 students, so it's a pretty full room. The desks are the old-fashioned ones where the chair is connected to the tabletop and has the, the tennis balls on the bottom of the legs, and they're not easy to move around. The temperature of the classroom is typically very hot, as the class is located on the third floor and never has good air conditioning or heat. The English teacher, Kathleen, always has blankets in the classroom for the days when the temperature is surprisingly cold, which the kids love. Technology-wise, there isn't much in the room. There are smart boards, or there's one smart board with a projector, but it's not the one where the students can write on for interactment. And there's also a whiteboard, but it's crammed behind the teacher's desk, so it's hard to get to during class. The walls are covered with uh, prayers and inspirational quotes since it's a Catholic school. The south side of the room is all windows, but the blinds are always pulled down. And like I said, it's a really small room and it's hard to just walk up and down the aisles, but the students make it work. That's a great description of the room. I feel like I'm there with you. So back to this kinesthetic learning you mentioned earlier. I'd love to hear more about that. What inspired you to study kinesthetic learning? Well, I was particularly particularly interested in the psychomotor taxonomies, which is basically they just engage motor skills as students complete work in the classroom. I'm a student athlete and I always notice how movement in classrooms helps me learn and stay engaged. And while I was in my placement, I noticed so many students falling asleep in class and struggling to pay attention. The teacher, Kathleen, taught with the students sitting stationary most of the time. And I became intrigued with the idea that many of the students might prefer to learn with active lessons and assignments. So as I taught my lessons, I always tried to incorporate some sort of active activity so the students had to move, and I definitely think I saw good results. Wow, that's really awesome. Do you think there was a particular student that you feel really benefited from the kinesthetic learning? 
yeah, I have a student whose name is James, and he's in my six hour, and he typically sleeps during these lessons and struggles to complete work, but when I utilized active learning techniques, he demonstrated a lot of improvement. That's great. I'm excited that we were able to have James here on the show today. Now, before we bring James onto the show, do you think you could give us your teaching perspective regarding James as a student, Deborah? Yeah. So, James is a student in my sixth period, like I said. He's a senior, and he's 18. He struggles a bit with school. He hasn't passed the Terranova state testing needed to graduate high school, and he has many classroom accommodations. For example, he needs access to the resource room, which is a quiet place for him to work one-on-one -on -one with a specialist, who is our intervention specialist. And he needs material read to him because his reading comprehension is low, and he also needs small group testing, extra copies of notes. He has a medical diagnosis for hypertension. Um, he also is a member of the football team, and he enjoys participating in athletic events. He is an incredibly polite student, but he doesn't really talk much in class. He sleeps periodically during lessons and doesn't participate unless somebody has prodded him a little bit. He always sits in the front row because he knows he has trouble paying attention, but overall he's a great young man. He just needs an extra push in the classroom. Great. Thank you, Deborah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a short break and then we'll bring James on the air. Hi again, folks. We're back and ready to talk about kinesthetic learning with pre-service teacher Deborah and high school senior James. Now, we've got James here with us. James, would you mind giving the audience a bit of an introduction? Sure, no problem. My name is James. I'm a senior and I play football for the school. What's your favorite subject in school, James? I don't have one, but if I had to pick, I would guess science. That's all right. Not everyone loves school. Now, could you tell me about how you like your English teacher's lessons? I'm referring to Kathleen here. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's really nice. She just stands there and talks about the books that we read for homework. It's so boring. I guess I like that there isn't a lot of work, though. What would make the class less boring? I don't know. Maybe if we had to work in groups or play games or something. Do you like activities like Kahoot or online websites like Poll Everywhere? I liked the Kahoot game because I like to win. Poll Everywhere was okay, but that was more work though. Would you like it if classes had more activities where you had to get up out of your seat and move around? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't like to sit or I start wanting to fall asleep in class. Music would be nice, but I'm not allowed to have headphones but I like to listen to stuff when I do my work, though. You're right. Music would be fun. Would you dance in class if it was a part of your schoolwork? Not a good dancer, but I probably would. Yeah, I guess that would be fun. Okay, James, that's it for our interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, let's give a round of applause for high school senior James. Insert clapping. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, after interviewing our student, James, we're going to listen to our pre-service teacher, Deborah, interview with her placement teacher, Kathleen. Hi, everyone. 
this is your pre-service student speaking. In case you forgot, I'm Deborah. I'll be interviewing my placement teacher, Kathleen, as we talk about James and his schoolwork. Kathleen, do you think you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. My name is Kathleen, and I've been teaching for 35 years. I have my bachelor's degree in psychology and education. I love teaching high school grades, and I have had a few years in middle grades, and I just didn't love it as much. 35 years of teaching. Wow. You're definitely a knowledgeable source. Do you think you could give me your input on James? Like, describe him as a student? Well, he's a great kid. I had him two years ago when he was a sophomore, and he's really grown a lot. He's one of my needier students, though. He doesn't normally complete work unless I send him down to our intervention specialist to work with her one-on-one. -on -one. I usually get the bare minimum from him, so... So say I want six sentences. I'll be lucky to get six sentences out of him. He sleeps a lot in class, too. So when I assign homework, he usually is confused and doesn't complete the assignment exactly right. He's one of our football athletes, so a lot of people expect him to get passing grades so he can play, but most of his work really needs help. If I give the students in class work, I always send him to the intervention specialist so he can have extra help. I would love to look at some of his work if you don't mind. Oh, of course. Great. So, you did a unit on the play Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. Can we start with the first work sample we have here from this unit? It looks like the assignment is called an exit ticket quiz. Can you describe the quiz and how James did on it? Yes. So, the exit ticket quiz was a quiz I gave the students after class. Prior to this, I had the students listen to the audiobook for Act 1. And while they listened, they followed along with the text. I had the students complete a guide re guided reading worksheet with questions to answer as they read. After each day of reading, we would go over the questions as a class and discuss what we learned. For the quiz, I just copied and pasted some of the guided reading questions onto the document. There were only nine questions. One of the questions was true or false. Three were short answer, one multiple choice, and then four were fill in the blank. James did not do well on the quiz. He only got five out of nine correct. He missed three fill in the blank and one short answer. The average on this test was a seven out of nine, but James scores below average. I let him take this with the intervention specialist as well, so I'm not sure how much she helped him. Interesting. I'd love to hear how he did on a subjective test in contrast to the objective assessment. Do you have a sample of his extended writing? Yes, I do actually. After we read Acts 1 and 2, we watched the movie, answered more guided reading questions, and I taught a lesson concerning the plot to ensure the students knew the content. Afterwards, I gave them a longer 35-point quiz on the play's first two acts. 27 points were for multiple choice, and the other eight were for extended writing. How did James do for the multiple choice section? Well, he was one of my lowest scores. He got 15 out of 27 correct. That's a 55%, and I took the questions right off the guided reading worksheet. So he clearly doesn't study or pay much attention. Now what about the extended writing portion of the test? James actually did worse on the extended writing portion. So the directions for the extended writing section had students choose one of the four prompt choices to respond to. The directions also state, 
write a short six to eight sentence paragraph that answers the questions completely. Be careful to begin with a good thesis sentence and give abundant details to prove your point. James chose to answer the question using Copernicus logic, explain why Caesar should not go to the Capitol on the Ides of March. Explain as thoroughly as possible. James only wrote three sentences and the answers really did not state Calpurnia's reasoning for keeping Caesar from the capital. Do you mind if I read his response for the audience? Not at all. Okay, so James wrote, and I quote, Caesar should not go to the capital because they'll try to get at him because they don't like him as king. Also, Caesar doesn't want to be king anyway. When he gets to the capital, he regrets that he's there. Right, so James wrote three sentences that really don't represent Calpurnia's reasoning for trying to keep Caesar from the capital. His first sentence is fine, but when he states that Caesar doesn't want to be king, I get the impression that he doesn't listen in class, because that's something I've stated multiple times. Caesar definitely wants to be king. Plus, when James writes that Caesar regrets going to the capital when he gets there, which is also not true, Caesar only Caesar was only regretful once he was stabbed. The question choices for the extended writing were all concepts that I talked about and had in the guided reading worksheet. So it's frustrating that he does so poorly on the test. I even had him take the exam with the intervention specialist in hopes that she would help him do better. But I just don't think he cares to learn the material. Interesting. For the guided reading questions that you keep mentioning, how did you teach the material from the questions? Well, I had my answer key, so after the students listened to the audio recording of the play, I went over the answers to the questions, then clarified any questions they had. Were the students paying attention, or did it seem as if their focus was elsewhere? Their focus is usually all over the place. It's hard to keep everyone focused, and I have to remind multiple people to stay awake during class. But for the most part, everyone does what I ask. They're trying. I'm sure they are. Thanks so much for taking the time to discuss James and some of his work samples. I really appreciate your in input as a veteran teacher. Well, that was an insightful interview. Deborah, after interviewing your placement teacher, do you have anything to add? Actually, I do. So, after the first two work samples I discussed with Kathleen, I actually taught my own lesson. James did pretty well on my assignment, so I did a lesson on the modes of persuasion, ethos, pathos, and logos. I had the students do some interactive activities like playing a Kahoot game and writing sentences on this app called Poll Everywhere. I was really impressed with how engaged James was for these activities. Both the Kahoot game and the Poll app Pull Everywhere activity were part of the same lesson and provided an opportunity for students to get up out of their seats. I didn't have any students sleeping in class, not even James. This was an exciting occurrence because it made me feel like I was really getting the students engaged in my lesson. Both activities sound useful in the classroom, and if I recall, James said earlier that he enjoyed using them. Did you have a final assessment for your unit? Yes, so I had the students write a letter from one character to another while using persuasion to convince someone from the play to do something new. So this was an extended writing activity that also asked students to synthesize information. How fun! Now, the real question is, how well did James do? 
Well, I think you did pretty well. For the assignment, there was no length requirement. Students merely had to use ethos, pathos, and logos at least once to per be persuasive with another character. For James' assessment, he wrote the following, quote, Dear Caesar, I don't want you to go into work today because you're probably exhausted from planning a lot. I've known you for years, and I know you like to do a lot, but just rest before something crazy happens to you. I'm your wife, and all I care about is you right now. Sincerely, Calpurnia. End of quote. So I think James did a really good job of trying to use the modes of persuasion. He was missing simple things like having a date for the letter, and obviously he didn't write a ton, which there was no length requirement again, so I can't really mark him down for that. And you'll notice that with the first sentence, I don't want you to go into work today because you're probably exhausted from planning a lot. Here he was trying to use some pathos and tell Caesar, you know, the exhaustion. And by saying Calpurnia was his wife and that all he cares about is you, is again that emotion of pathos. So it's clear that James is really familiar with pathos. And when you go back and look at the Kahoot results, when there were questions that involved identifying pathos, that was one of his very strong um, aspects. But his um, ethos, the credibility of Calpurnia, you know, he's trying to use it with his wife, and he identified this in his peer review session, but it's not as clear as his pathos, and neither is his logos with the logic. He was trying to do it with the exhaustion and getting him to rest, but like I said, he could have been a little bit more clear with this. However, overall, I was really impressed with the small improvements James made with the minor active lessons that I implemented. It really sounds like your kinesthetic teaching implements helped James, even if it was just a small improvement. Do you think that you'll continue using kinesthetic teaching strategies as you develop as a teacher? Yeah, for sure. I like the benefits that come with kinesthetic learning, and I think it's important that we don't neglect that as teachers. Even the smallest improvements in education will go a long ways. You're right. We need educators to focus on making those small improvements. I'm sure we'll be seeing more development in kinesthetic activities as more research is conducted. Well, folks, that wraps up our discussion on kinesthetic learning in the English language arts classroom. A huge thank you to our podcast speakers, Deborah, Kathleen, and James. You all were very helpful in shedding light onto our teaching topic for this week. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in to Let's Talk Teaching. Today, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please come back more next week. Thank you. Thank you.